The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. If we could just streamline testing, wouldn't that solve just about everything? Yeah, resources. Like, resources just got incredibly tight everywhere. I think uh, people saw the global supply chain just then get hit pretty badly. That's Peter Foley, founder and CEO of Let's Get Checked, where combined with the power of one of the world's best golfers, testing is becoming more universal. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Later in the pod, a visit with Rob Bow, the director of sales at Fitlight, a unique training device that in a simple way can help athletes train harder with an age-old technique to spark motivation. But let's start today with one of the biggest problems in the world, COVID-19. Accurate, rapid, easily securable testing. It's what the sports world, let alone the real world, needs. But as we know, heading into a fall where COVID has dominated our planet for almost a year, it's not something that has a simple solution. But Peter Foley, he's trying to change that. Our guest this week is Peter Foley. He's the founder and the CEO of Let's Get Checked, which is the leading health insights company that allows consumers direct access to a wide range of testing options and clinical services from home. And man, oh man, do we need testing these days? Hi, Peter. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I mean, I suppose when you started this company, I don't know, did you ever envision a pandemic? Because here we are. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think anyone envisages a, a pandemic. But um, yeah, look, uh, I think we're just um, lucky that we're in a position to, to help people at this time. And um We've been building a business over the last five years that's uh, in a position to help people. So uh, we, we consider ourselves lucky in that regard to be able to help. So. Uh, we'll talk to you specifically about what's going on with your work with the PGA Tour, but largely I gave a very mild overview. Can you kind of talk about what your company does? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're a home diagnostics company, first and foremost. So. Uh, we enable consumers to access any type of diagnostic in the home, but ultimately wrap the, the same level of clinical care should they go to a physician's office uh, into that. Um, and from a consumer's perspective, that's all accessible through a mobile application. So if you were based in New York, and in this instance, you, you need to do a, a COVID test, and you would order it through your Let's Get Check mobile app, uh, we manufacture a bespoke kit for you, so a collection device which we we ship through our logistical network, which you can track that kit all the way to your door. Uh, when the kit comes into your home, you can do a telehealth consultation through your mobile application, engage with our clinical team. Uh, you collect your sample. Uh, we then pick that up from you. 
we rooted into our own laboratory. So we have a high complexity clear laboratory uh, based in California. We'll return your sample around within 24 hours. Um, everyone gets a call then from our clinical team. So our physicians and nurses will call you in a telehealth capacity, talk you through your results, make sure you understand them. And then they'll be released down into your, your mobile app where you can uh, view them, uh, track them, um, track longitudinal data over time. So do subscription services around chronic disease states. Uh, you can access prescriptions should you need treatment. So uh, a bunch wrapped around what we do, but the core the core of it is uh, essentially diagnostics and allowing people to do tests within the home. So, Peter, specifically with the COVID-19 testing, um, initially, when this all started happening, um, was there any issues on your side procuring tests, as obviously there was a rush to get them, and then secondarily, the reliability of the results initially? Um, yeah, so I suppose to answer your first question about um, like obtaining, I, I suppose it was a wider question around uh, resources like resources just got incredibly tight everywhere. I think uh, people saw the global supply chain just um, get hit pretty badly. And um, like we were, we were in a position where we would have <clears throat> like swabs lined up and analyzers and instruments ready to come into our laboratory. This was in the very, very early days, and they would just disappear overnight. And um, the U.S. government would come in and take them and put them to. Uh, you know, assigned them to specific locations that they deemed appropriate. And it was just everyone was, was running for the same resources. And um, all of a sudden, when there wasn't necessarily a huge amount to those particular resources to begin with. So it was an incredibly difficult time. Um, but uh, as kind of the weeks passed, uh, supply chains definitely stabilized. And we were in the fortunate position that uh, because we, from, we, do our full supply chain so we own our own manufacturing up front and we have our own laboratory that had um, quite a large amount of um, molecular diagnostic testing available that we, we could run quite quickly at this and we were well resourced to be able to provide solutions and ultimately where we, we deployed our services where we could be most impactful at the beginning and that was helping healthcare workers and you know essential workforces and uh you know, really helping in terms of <clears throat> where we thought we could, I suppose, be most impactful straight away. But uh, yeah, it, as as things have kind of gone on, and um, it's certainly eased, and there's definitely more supplies now in the market. But but the infection rates just seem to keep going. So uh, each day seems to pose a slightly different problem, but there's there's still a lot of problems. And um, around the the accuracy piece, I suppose the the second part of your question, um, yeah, no, like uh, it, it, each lab is slightly different. You know, we, we would pride ourselves on a lot of the validation work and the, the clinical studies that we would have conducted um, up front and that we ran in parallel with this problem. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we, we haven't encountered any kind of issues or inaccuracy or anything to indicate that there would be problems like that. But, um, no. And um, there are certainly worse to, uh, talk or stories about it on the market, but, um, you know, people that can be down to anything, you know, like uh, a sample not correct, collected properly by a physician or someone running too fast through a drive through like there, 
there are reasons that can contribute to that, but not certainly nothing that we've come across yet. Initially, obviously, um, we're going to talk to you about your connection to golf and, and maybe specifically Rory McIlroy, who um, you have a connection with. Uh, before all of this rush to try to get testing to enable a lot of professional sports to return to the field, um, had your company been working with leagues or athletes in the past? Uh, yeah, so... Um... We, we would have many different kind of use cases of people who use our platform and it would be anything from someone with diabetes managing their, managing doing their quarterly testing to uh, male hormone panels. So, you know, it starts going more into that kind of athlete arena of, of optimizing your performance and checking biomarkers and monitoring them over time. And that would be over a wide range of sports. So anything from, athletics to basketball and we, we would have all sorts of I suppose people from different uh, professions from a, a sporting standpoint using our platform and using it to, to optimize their health by um, by keeping a check of their, their biomarkers and, and that kind of thing so yeah I think um, <clears throat> we never envisaged though that we, we'd be using our platform in the context of COVID uh, to help sporting organizations kind of get back to, to playing again but yeah yeah it's, it's certainly a unique time. So um, tell me a little bit about the relationship with Rory McIlroy and, and how that thing you working with the PGA Tour and maybe some other golf organizations around the world. Yeah, so <clears throat> Rory is actually a, was a, an early stage investor in the company. Um, so he, uh, he was one of our kind of early stage backers around our, our Series A financing. We've gone on from a Series A to a Series B to a Series C now. So uh, it, was, it was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, that that's how Rory came to to be a part of the company. Um, Rory is obviously uh, Irish. Uh, we started in Ireland. I'm Irish, um, but our our entire team focuses very much the U.S. market. Um, Rory actually got introduced to us through uh, through Optum, and um, who are also uh, a backer of of, uh, of Let's Get Check and um, invested around a, a similar time. But yeah, <clears throat> Rory, I suppose is a is a bit advocate of what we're doing and has always been a big supporter of what we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind enough to, to make the intro in terms of we were well positioned to, to support and help uh, around that driving release tournament, which kind of marked the, marked the back to golf um, event. And, uh, yeah, we, that's how the, the intro came to, to happen or came to be. So tell me about the relationship with the PGA Tour now. How are you working with them? Yeah, so it's it's wise. So for the you know we're even over in PGA Europe now, and we're supporting their entire season. And so you know from a European perspective as well, there's new venues and they have to get on planes every month. So it's uh, there's a lot more of that kind of travel uh, required. And from a PGA perspective, it was kind of upfront. And I know we're helping more on the um, the pro am side, where you've got these guys joining the tournament and flying in. And so that's where where we're kind of helping out is when people have been at home, these pro ams are joining a tour and to play with the professionals in advance and uh, testing these guys, making sure that they're they're COVID negative and they don't have a, a, a positive. And if they do, they're they're not allowed to travel. So uh, what the result represents is um is a kind of fly no fly scenario. If you're if you're negative, you can come in, you can join. If you're not, you can't. So, um, 
that that's that's how it works. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see that this would feel like a high leverage situation too. I mean, there is a risk, obviously, to bring this stuff back, and yet the leagues and the athletes themselves clearly want to be be part of it. Um, boy, accuracy is really important here and expediency too, right? I mean, you know, this is a high leverage situation that you're in working with these leagues right now. Yeah. I mean, like you, you look at any sporting organization across the country, like it's, um, it's definitely high risk. Uh, like it, it only takes one positive result in a group of people to, um, cast a lot of doubt into a, into a scenario. And, uh, you know, you, you have big groups of people <clears throat> who um who are highly important um from that particular sporting organization standpoint and it just casts out, people lose confidence. Um so it's uh it's really, really important, you know, to be able to, to make sure that everyone everyone who joins those events and joins those tournaments or is coming on training that they feel good about being there. And um that kind of initial casual scenario of testing people in the home and before they 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 turn up, it's uh, it's it's certainly high risk and there's a lot of pressure involved in this in the scenario. But look, like it's it's absolutely critical as well because if we weren't in a position to um, test people remotely, it, there just wouldn't be a lot of sporting organizations or sporting events happening this year. And you're starting to see more and more coming back, but look like without, without testing, it just, it just wouldn't be possible. Do you think, or, or do you see a pathway for when fans start to come back to the events that they will be asked to, or be utilized with a company like yours to prove that they are at that juncture, um, not positive to be able to enter a stadium? It, it, it's funny because if you even just break down sport to begin with, um, like <clears throat> different, like depending on the level of contact that happens in a sport, you can come back quick. Like golf came back quickest because true golf, it's not a contact sport. Like people pretty much keep a relatively good distance from each other anyway. You know, you've only got a couple of golfers on a hole at a time. Um, so it was, it's quite a conducive sport to a scenario such as this. But when you look at the the higher contact sports, you could almost say that based on the level of contact, it, it's an indicator for how quickly they've returned. Like if American football is not back yet, basketball is starting to come back, ice hockey is not back yet, and these sports are kind of you know it, it's slowly coming to be, um, and even soccer. Um, so if, you know, like not all sports are back. Uh, so, you know, you need the sport back before you can get fans back. So um, I think it feels certainly from from our perspective when, when we look at this in this particular scenario that it, it does feel a little bit away, um, particularly in consideration that, that not everybody's even back playing. For some of the biggest sporting organizations in the world, their hands are tight. So um, the fan part does, does, feel, does feel like it's... Uh, it's got a bit to go. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if you, you see any solutions for this. Cause I, I, I look at something like your company and I go, if we don't come up with a vaccine or come up with some kind of solution, um, how do you get on an airplane, you know, like without some kind of level of proof and will a number of companies and leagues, if they're going to allow people to come back in mass, um, would they utilize someone like you to try to 
mitigate the risk as much as possible? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, look, like uh, when when we work with them, um, like we just don't work with, with sporting organizations. We work with uh, counties. We work with states. We work with uh, large employer groups, essential workers, and everybody's affected by this. Um, there's no exception to the rule. But but every workforce and every use case is entirely different. Um, like we even find that when we get approached by a particular group who have a a, a group of people to get tested, and um, we have to tackle it like it's a clean slate. So we have a, a team of um, uh, epidemiologists and our, our medical director, Dr. Robin Workin. Uh, we have to come up with an entirely new protocol. And we have to start from scratch and we have to build something that's specific to that particular organization's needs. But in a scenario where you've got a, you've got, um, you know, attendees turning up to an event, it's, it's very, very difficult to control that. And I think ultimately that needs to get to a point where by we really push that curve down to the point of smash that curve. And where people feel really good about it again, and people get much more disciplined about wearing masks, and and we we feel like a kind of as a country that we're in a in a better position. So I think ultimately we still got a bit to play um, before we can get to to that point. Peter Foley is the founder and the CEO of Let's Get Checked. Thanks so much for joining us, Peter. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Bye bye. After a quick break, a visit with Rob Bow, Director of Sales at FitLight, who is helping athletes train more efficiently and motivate themselves. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Our guest this week is Rob Bow, who's the Director of Sales at FitLight. And I tried to describe it for you, but you really got to see it to believe it in their exercise technology. Hey, Rob, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, Bram. How are you? Uh, this is an audio medium, so I'm going to give it your best shot. How do you guys describe what FitLight does? So, well, it's it's funny that you say you have to see it to believe it. Our uh, hashtag is see the light. Um, so we provide um, a sensory training tool to uh, basically train your speed, agility, reaction time, and decision making uh, with lights and a tablet. And uh, with the tablet, you program the lights. Once the light goes on, you have to deactivate it by either touching it or going past it, moving past it, and uh, the tablet gives you feedback on uh, uh, on your time. So um, it feels a little when I when I watch it, almost like when I was a kid and I played the game Simon, and it had this almost like reactionary feel to it. Is that kind of similar to what you guys were trying to build? Yeah. Um, well, originally it's designed, um, um, it, by the way, it's, it's originally from Denmark, yeah. um, but it's originally designed to be a big sports team product. Um, but I get the, the comparison. A lot of people say or talk about Simon. Yeah. We actually recently launched a replicated the game. Um, so it's also fun for kids, yeah. but mainly, um, um, it's for Athletes. Yeah. Um, so take me through the application of it. Um, if you are working with big time athletic groups or athletes, um, how do they utilize it to improve their training? Really diverse. Um, anywhere from creating timing gates where you run past the light just to see how fast you are, for example, on a 40 yard dash 
anywhere from that to having lights in front of you on a ground for a typical agility workout or lights in front of you on a wall where you train your hand-eye coordination, for example, if you would be a goalie. That being said, it's also um, being used a lot in healthcare, for example, for concussion rehab, vision training, things like that. All right, let's, so let's get into the concussion part of it for a moment. Um, how does it help someone rehab from a brain injury? Um, let's say you, uh, you just had a concussion. Um, the color red, for example, is very hard to look at if you just had a concussion. So what we see is that, and, and I'm not a doctor, uh, I'm just a director of sales, but what we see is that our clients then have their athletes use the lights first with uh, um, the, the, the intensity of the LED lights, very low, um, and then um, increase the intensity over time and use different colors, use the, the color uh, uh, yellow, green, and in the end, if they can use the color red, and it's still uh, um, easy to look at for the athlete, they know they're improving. Um, was that developed through medical professionals? No. It's originally designed uh, uh, by a former handball goalie, and obviously over, and this is 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. um, obviously over time, uh, talking to a lot of our clients and coming up with new protocols, uh, we came up in the end with, and now with our latest software updates, uh, with a lot of new protocols, mainly focusing on cognitive training. Um, as for the training itself, um, why the lights? What? How does it help uh, an athlete improve? So if I can tell you to run to a certain point as fast as you can, and you will. But if there's a light there that will deactivate itself after a certain time, you will take it up a notch. So you force yourself to be faster every time, which is why we say move, measure, motivate. First you move, the lights will measure your time and the feedback will motivate you to do it again tomorrow. Um, we provide a tool that trainer that allow trainers to quantify their own exercises. If you have your athlete coming in and do all the workouts and now can show him a report that he's improving over a month, he'll come back uh, time and time again. Have you found, uh, that's, it's so interesting that, because I believe you, when you put the light up, you will attempt to run faster, move faster, whatever it is you're attempting to get better at. Have you guys found out why, that why humans react that way to light? That's a very interesting question. Um, I think it, it's, maybe it's a lot of money for just fun, yeah. but workout is not always fun to do. Rehab is not always fun to do. If you have to do the same exercises over and over again, week in, week out, but now all of a sudden you can uh, work with lights and you can touch them and you can run past them and it's a very uh, engaging way of working out. So it, it definitely adds fun to the workout that you're already doing, which is why we say that we don't uh, replace any workout. We don't replace any exercise, but we enhance it for you. So how does a team um, implement this if they were interested in bringing it in? And I know that's a vague question because it depends on the sport and depend on the team, but could you give me an example of how that works? Yeah, of course. Um, it, it's really uh, diverse. 
we have some strength and conditioning coaches using it for one-on-one training. And we have soccer teams that go out on the, on the field um, and train uh, several teams back-to-back to use it as a baseline test, for example. What you can do is when you have a new athlete coming in or a new player coming to your team, if you come up with a baseline protocol and have somebody go through different setups to see where somebody is with their speed, with their reaction time, with their agility, and then over time keep doing the same exercise to see how your team is improving and how somebody is doing within a team. So we really have personal trainers that train somebody on a one-on-one setting at their house or at a gym. And we have um, teams that uh, train their entire team um, uh, at once. Have you seen any metrics of improvement? Like, do you have any examples of having used this? This is some of the results that we've seen. Uh, Yes. Well, we don't do anything with the data, um, which is something that our clients uh, um, ask for because we have so many high-end sports teams in the world that use our lights. Obviously, they don't want their data to be out there. Uh, But looking at myself, for example, maybe that's a good example and better to understand for people. I play tennis, not on a high level, but if I go on to court, before I go on to court, I use the lights for like 10 minutes and it makes me able to, uh, my depth perception is better when I play tennis and I'm I'm better at decision-making, going left or going right, going up to the net or going back. It's, I, it gives me more a peace of mind while I'm exercising. So it allows me to process all the information that I'm getting, where the ball is going, where my opponent is going, uh, maybe even outside um, um, information like, like noises, whatever. It allows me to process that information faster and therefore I have a split second advantage. So uh, take me through what that is. So it's almost like a mental warm up before you go and play tennis. What, what are you? I like that. A you, mental, uh, mental warm up. Um, maybe it's a good example. If you look at an MMA fighter, the, the split second difference between being knocked out or still standing or the difference between being knocked out and still standing is really a split second. So if, and in almost any sport, you have a ref, uh, you have audience, you have your opponent, you have your coach, uh, you have maybe your teammates. Everybody is yelling at you. And at the same time, you're also either working with a ball or with a tennis racket. So you have to make all these decisions at the same time. So if you do a workout, for, let's say soccer, my coach passes the ball to me and I pass it back. Very simple. But all of a sudden I have two lights, one on each side of me. Still do the same thing. I pass the ball back every time to my coach. But when a light goes, I have to deactivate it by either touching it or waving in front of it. So now I'm already doing two things at the same time while still passing the ball at the same speed. So it forces me to process all that information faster. Next level would be two different colors, one color meaning left hand, one color meaning right hand, left foot, right foot. You can add all these cognitive elements to your existing workout protocols to add 
more information and uh, processing uh, uh, at the same time. That's really interesting. Um, thanks for sharing all that with us. Rob Bow is the director of sales at Fitlight. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Ben. On the next Future Sport Podcast, with football season approaching, Moon Javade, Vice President of Strategy and Analytics with the San Francisco 49ers, is trying to plan out the most unusual year in league history. As they talk about what, how they want to be communicated with, fans always love um, insider content or content that's not previously available, exclusive content. And then for us at the NFL, um, content where you can see the players and recognize them a little bit more. So we call it under, under the helmet. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.